Welcome back to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 34. I'm your host, Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC. And on today's episode, I'll be joined by boss man, owner and operator of Falling Star Wrestling, the notorious Jimmy Starr. Now, in previous weeks, we've talked about wrestling matches. Now it's time to get back to chatting to some wrestlers about them and their journey in this crazy business. Today's guest started his career as an enforcer and carried around a sledgehammer, which never really made it to Norfolk. But then he quickly evolved into Falling Star's most vibrant, flamboyant, lovable and huggable bear. That's right, it's the sassy bear Clarence. In this episode, we touch on the creation of the character and who had a major influence in Sassy's career to date. This is also a two-part series featuring the Sassy one, but before we jump in, it's house cleaning time and I'll try and be quick. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you've hopped onto your preferred podcast platform and left us a lovely review. All right, let's do this. Hit the music. What's that? We don't have the rights to Careless Whisper. What? I have to do it myself. Um, so first off, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from, please? Right. So um, I'm, I'm most referred to as Sassy Bear Clarence. Um, I actually am based in Stevenage in Hertfordshire. But uh, yeah, that's, that's basically all I know about self really like you um sort of lived in the area all your life or were you from sort of parts unknown uh yeah oh yeah I've, I've always i've always uh lived in the area all my life though i do tend to um explore to sunset boulevard now and again but yeah cool so um you are obviously sort of an active member of the falling star wrestling roster and you've sort of been around the the company for a little while but can you tell us your sort of earliest memory of wrestling how did you get introduced to it uh, first off right i'd say um first time i ever got introduced really um so this would have been back in 2004 and i would have been 14 at the time uh just out of complete curiosity uh, which browsed a few places, and that's when I came across a training place for a promotion called uh, Revolution British Wrestling in Enfield. Well, it was one of their places based in Enfield. And fun fact: uh, first trainer was actually Sunset Skip. So okay, he was literally the first guy to kind of help train uh, for that particular session. Uh, so it was a, it was a nice little sort of case. It was quite stop start because it would get moved from place to place. Or in some cases, it would just like stop just due to like lack of money or something. Did they uh, did run shows too? Uh, Revolution British Wrestling, yeah, they ran shows. Yes, I seem, I think, I think I might have wrestled for them once. Okay, and that, that was a few years back. Have they been going a while? Uh, well, so when I uh, got got into it, they were still a thing, but I think. So I want to say either oh, I'm to remember, there was a year they stopped. I think it may have been about 2006, 2007. It kind of folded due to the promoter at the time running away with the money. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if I'm, I, I might be wrong, but I seem to remember around about that time, it, 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 it would have been around about that time. Me and a guy called, um, well, a guy who wrestled as Richard Parliament. He oh got, yes, he got the booking and um, and said, "Do you want to come along and wrestle me?" 
because I sort of, oh, I didn't train Richard Parliament, that's a lie, but I did, I did help him a little bit. Um, and he, uh, he, he was just sort of starting out at this point. And um, he wanted to wrestle someone he knew, so he, you know, so he can have a sort of half decent match. And like you say, this was quite a long time ago. Um, yeah, and I, uh, I think we made our way down there. I don't think it was a particularly, uh, particularly busy show or anything like that. It wasn't like a, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything amazing. But yeah, the name rings a bell. I might be wrong. That might be someone else. But I'm. I know. I seem to remember it being in that area too. I can't remember what part of Hertfordshire, but I, I seem to remember it being around that area. So I might have wrestled from, might have wrestled from only the ones though. After the um, one time I was in Enfield getting trained by Sunset Skip, it was then moved. The training was moved to Plaza, and I think for the majority of the time I was trained by Sammy Ray. Okay, is that a, is that a name in British wrestling now? I'm not too up on name. I mean, names. I mean. Uh, at the time, he would have been uh, probably not so much now compared to back then. But he had wrestled for, um, I want to say he wrestled for when IPW was like first started up, like the very early days of it. And I believe he had a match with um, Skip when he was known as Rich and Famous at the time as well. Uh, oh, wait, no, he had a match with uh, Phil Powers on one of the camp shows for All Stars as well, now that I remember. Uh, I believe that is around on YouTube somewhere. Okay. I th- I, Rich and Famous rings a bell. Um, yeah, that, that name rings a bell. Do you think you were trained um, by, do you think you like your early training was, was you, were, you were trained well? Do you think they were, um, you know, sort of competent? I mean, you don't have to obviously shit on them, but do you think they were competent trainees or do you think they were just sort of young guys starting something up and, and trying to make things happen? I'd, I'd say that the way I've, I've looked at it is kind of like this. Like, obviously, I learned a great deal from um, Rich and Famous, Sunset Skip. Um, but what I will say is, if it hadn't been for what I had learned from Sammy Ray, I don't think I would have gotten to this point with me wrestling. What did he give to, to, to get you to this point? So I, I think what it is, is so I was taught quite a lot of things particularly for Sony Ray, not just in case, just like sort of like moves and like psychology and sequences, but he also had a hand in like help me just like sort of like present myself as a professional around like promoters and whatnot. So that was kind of like a cool little learning experience. And I think during a hiatus I had, which would have been from 2012 till when I got back into it in 2018, uh, if it hadn't been for Sammy Ray, I don't think I would have gotten back into wrestling. Okay, so he sort of taught you the, the the wrestling etiquette and how to behave in a dressing room as such, and how to sort of uh, how to present yourself to promoters, etc. Which is obviously extremely extremely important in the world of professional wrestling. For any fans out there who who aren't wrestlers, they won't know wrestling is based on a lot of tradition and. Uh, have to learn that tradition by obviously being taught at a training school. So he he taught you that that wrestling etiquette that you needed to know, did he? Uh, absolutely, yeah. There was yeah, it was absolutely like a lot like that, particularly from Sammy Ray. And uh, I've always really particularly enjoyed his training because it was I'm trying to add a word it like it was it was a lot different, but it wasn't like he was a complete pushover or anything. But he wasn't like a complete arsehole of anything, like. He was obviously going to teach you, but he was really doing it just to see really what you got and what you could bring to wrestling, so to speak. But 
a lot of the time I enjoyed my training with Sammy Ray and I really couldn't think of a bad thing to say about him. Oh, that's good. I'll have to I'll have to look him up because, like I say, the the name doesn't ring a bell immediately. But uh, but uh, it, to you, Shawnee, were you up on the wrestling circuit at that time? No, unfortunately, like when you said it, I was a little bit like, oh, I hope Jim knows who this is because you know, sort of when somebody <laughs> is a trainer, you, you know, you assume, especially sort of in the kind of East Anglia sort of region, sort of um, borderlining London, I feel yeah. like if if I don't know their name, it's it's it may be on me, you know, uh, not not kind of knowing the business or knowing who the guys are. But um, yeah, when Jim said he didn't know, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> gets me off the hook. Woo. <laughs> It's one of those things, you know, like, um, you know, it's probably not a, a lot of people who, who don't really know who, 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 who I am, but it's, uh, you know, it, if, if in wrestling, to be honest with you, sometimes if people don't know who you are, it's a good thing because it means you've probably got a half decent reputation and people haven't shit all over you. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, definitely look you up and, and I mean, you have got, you obviously did train you pretty well because you have got some pretty good foundations. I mean, you, you're a good bumper, you're a good feeder, things like that. You know, you, 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 your footwork is good, you know. So you obviously obviously instilled quite a bit of that in you, you know. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers. I appreciate that. So the um, so the hiatus you, that, you, uh, that you spoke about, did you just lose heart or was it or was something else that happened or what was the, the hiatus? So basically, I think at the time... Um, mentally i was not in a good place like at all like i was getting really bad case of depression and so i kind of took it as like sort of a step away from wrestling to find myself to build myself up again um i didn't know that the hiatus would take about six years at the time but i feel like you know when i did get back into it i was feeling like a better man mentally than i did compared to back then uh so that was really it. Just I wasn't really with it mentally at the time, so I just took a break from it and got back into it. Was it wrestling that was, that was sort of causing some of the depression, or was it just something you stuff make stuff with a little bit? You know, it was just really like a lot of like personal stuff outside of wrestling that just didn't really mix well with uh, the wrestling itself at that time. So it was really just sort of a case of just stepping away sorts that stuff out and then um later i would then get back into it mostly thanks to um justin who would wrestle as hugo bloom was one of the heartbreakers yeah yeah i know heartbreakers yeah yeah so um he was doing he did like an advert on facebook or something for like training sessions and i ended up doing like a double take when i saw the advert because the place in particular is literally just around the corner from where i live so it was literally a place that i could just easily walk to if needed be and then through there, that's when I was then introduced to uh, Paul Ash. And then that's when I then discovered the UBW uh, training facility over in Hitchin. And then from that point, it kind of helped build me back up. And I think this would have been around about July 2018 was when all this was getting uh, back up again. Uh, I think along the way, I suffered uh, an injury, which was like a hyperextension to my right ankle from like a bad landing on the hip toss. So basically what happened was the plan was to land, you know, feet, uh, feet flat, but I overshot the right foot to the point where it bent forward. And so, yeah, and so because of that, uh, I was struggling walking. Um, 
went to the hospital to get it looked at and it was literally just like a hyperextension of the muscle so no like bone damage or anything so it was really just like a, a sort of like a monthly period of just strengthening that muscle back up again uh, but thankfully um it wasn't that long until I was then able to just get training again and a few months then you know the uh, first booking I got was like a rumble booking uh, and then I was brought in as like an enforcer with uh, Robbie Boy and at the time uh, I was under the gimmick of Sledgehammer Betts. Okay oh yeah I remember when you, when you came to Fallen Star originally I think you had you wrestled as Sledgehammer Betts. Yeah that's correct yes uh, so funny story with the gimmick uh, was so we were doing like these uh, promo practices in training and I remember Paul Hash uh, christening me at the time as Aaron the Sledgehammer Betts and it really just got me pondering thinking you know how can I make this a gimmick and then it just kind of went back to the sort of like Jake Roberts sort of logic in thinking of like character making the name sort of work and it was just thinking okay, so if he's going to be called the Sledgehammer, I guess getting a Sledgehammer with him would make a bit of sense. Uh, but um, I just ended up like watching like a lot of like sort of Brian Pillman, loose cannon stuff. I thought like Ken Shamrock when he was like mad out of his brain sort of the time with uh, the actual era at the time. Uh, and then when we did a show, no, yeah, when it was a show we were doing in Luton, um, we then decided actually the name's a bit of a long and maybe try shortening it just so it rolls off the tongue a bit better, to which we then both agreed on Sledgehammer Bets. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a cool name, and it was a pretty good gimmick. I mean, I've got, I, I quite liked it. Um, I, I know you, 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 at the time, I think you were, when, when you first turned up to Fallen Star, you had the, I don't know if you had the Sassy Bear gimmick as a, as a, as a backup. or uh, at, the t- at the time, no, funny enough. No, I think when I first turned up to Falling Star with the Sedra Bex gimmick, uh, the Sassy Bear gimmick uh, wasn't even a thing at that time. It didn't become a thing until like very late December. Yeah, because um, the sort of the, the Sassy Bear Cla- uh, Clarence character, uh, if people don't know out there, is is very different to the Sledgehammer Betts character. And I remember, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into the Sassy Bear character in a little bit, but sort of touching on the Sledgehammer Betts kind of character, um, do you think that was just kind of sort of a stopgap in between the two characters? Like it wasn't quite what you wanted, but it was something that you just just went along with because um, you, you wasn't quite sure in which direction you wanted to take your character or was there sort of reason behind it? Did you want to make it work or what was your thoughts? I'd, I'd say with the gimmick, it was really just a gimmick just to get my foot in the door to start with with wrestling and, you know, just to see where things go with the character really. And yeah, I didn't think it was a bad character or anything. It just, I think, comparing with the Sassy Bear Clarence game, I just didn't think it was. It was a bit one-dimensional, and you couldn't really do a lot with the character personally. But that's just my honest opinion on the character. Like, I enjoy the character. Just, I just think Sassy Bear Clarence just has a bit more uh, legs to it. Yeah, because like Sassy Bear, you know, when when he comes out, you you almost instantly know and get what he's about. Whereas Sledgehammer Betts, when he first came out, and because particularly in Falling Star, I don't think you actually ever brought a Sledgehammer with you. I mean, it's a um, bit, yes. bit of a commute from Stevenage to, to King's yeah. Lynn. But, um, you know, when you'd come out, you would just be this kind of imposing giant dude that would just kind of pick people up and throw them around. So there wasn't like, in, in my opinion, like there wasn't much kind of character there. Like you had a name and you had a... 
had had sort of a, an impression, but there was no like you couldn't look at that guy and go, oh, he's the guy with this. You'd be like, oh, he's got a cool mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose you got a point. I mean, there was a couple of times where I'd meaning to take the sledgehammer down, but I forgot. <laughs> I think one occasion where I think we were doing a show in Outwell, I think, was it? I think that was the one I had the match with Dark Wolf, actually, yeah. Uh, so I was meant to bring the sledgehammer with, but I didn't have a car at the time. And looking back at it, it would be quite weird, like being around the Kingsland train station with like this bag with a massive sledgehammer with it. <laughs> Probably would have brought the wrong kind of attention, but... In Kingsley, mate, no one would have fucking noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but but the, I think the difference is, I think the difference is with the um, sledgehammer gimmick, um, it's, it's it's difficult because I've done it before with, with some of my guys. I mean, I did it, the same thing happened with, with you, Sean, in a way. I sort of, we sort of came up with a gimmick together. I sort of just slung an aim at you and you and you tried to make the best you could out of it. But it wasn't really. It worked, and it was cool, and it and and it was and you enjoyed doing it. But when you came back with your with your own character that you designed, then you came up with um, PVC. It worked a hell of a lot better than the one that we just came up with on the fly because we needed to get you in the ring. And like you say, um, Clarence, like you know, you would that gimmick was just like you say thrown at you to get your foot in the door. It didn't have much input from. Well, it probably did have a lot of input from you in terms of, you know, obviously you had you had to do it and you had to, make, you know, work out what the wardrobe would be, et cetera, et cetera. But still, that's not the character that you came up with. So maybe you couldn't identify with it as much as you can when you sort of ended up coming up with your own character. Fun fact, actually, was even the sassy bit clarity was it originally my idea at first. So. um Oh. I mean, yeah it actually wasn't even my idea either but it was really a gimmick i was able to just get my teeth into and really make it work that's good oh that's good i mean yeah i mean that's, that's that's the thing i mean you have to you have to hit on a gimmick that you can really personalize and you can really sink your teeth into otherwise you know you you just you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it you're just gonna be generic joe in a pair of white but a pair of whatever the fuck that you know you decide to put yourself in, and some people like for some people that works and they're really good wrestlers and and they you know their character work is more based on their own character than a character because the sassy bear Clarence isn't you really is it it's just it's a character you know that you portray um, and I think you portray it very well I think it's so and and it's I've always found. Um, Again, like you said, Shawnee, obviously sassy, but Clarence is hugely flamboyant. You come out with the, you know, the the, the feather scarves and all that sort of stuff, and the and the makeup, and you know, it's obviously a very very camp type character. Um, it's uh, it's very hard to keep that character up through the whole match. You know, you can do your entrance, and everyone gets you know it gets over. Everyone laughs. You do your little dance and stuff, and great, it's all good. But then all of a sudden, you find yourself in the ring, and you're just resting like a normal dude again, and that just completely takes the, the the character away from the audience. You just become you again, you know. So it's very hard to actually wrestle as a character. Did you, did you find that at the start? Like you, you, you know, 
you had your entrance, but you just didn't really know how to wrestle as a sassy bear just yet. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I was pretty guilty in the case of uh, just having an idea of the entrance and just trying to like find a way to, uh, well, one, make it seem like it's Clarence doing the match rather than just switching out of just the guy behind the gimmick doing the match. But it was more of just a case of something I was quite guilty with, I think, early on is, I try to think of the word, it's like when you're like in the match, but then it looks like you're obviously thinking about the next spot in the match kind of thing. And that was something I used to be pretty guilty with. And it's something I've always tried priding not to do in a match. Like, obviously, I'll still be thinking of the spots, but I won't try and make it look obvious to the crowd that I'm trying to think of the next spot. Yeah, I think I think I think what I think that comes from. I think that comes from um, not being, well, still being fairly new in the business. Like, you know, having, I mean, you know, having been the problem is being new in 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 the wrestling business is like, you know, being a sort of full-time-ish wrestler for five years or less, you know, like it's because it's such a complex job, you know, being new or being green lasts for quite a long time. You you, you sort of have to earn your stripes. But being sort of, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's not a mistake. It's just a learning curve. You know, you, we, you know, we don't, people, people like me who've been doing it for a long time don't, really give a fuck about blowing a spot I couldn't care less if I blew a spot it wouldn't bother me at all if I blew every spot in the fucking match as long as there was a cheer at the end of it and it got over and people enjoyed it that's what I care about but the earlier the more I go back and the more I think of my career all I was thinking of was getting it right because I didn't want to piss the person off I was wrestling or, you know, or fuck the matchup, or because I thought that was what the match was based around the spots. When it's not, it's based around, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, the story. So, yeah, that's why um, younger wrestlers are more guilty of that, of that sort of, uh, you know, deer in a headlight sort of concentrating on spots look because they don't want to blow them. They don't want to get right. And then they forget their character and that takes a crowd away. Yeah. So, just something you learn over time right yeah absolutely yeah it's the same thing for for any job really you know you can start a job and on your first day people will explain what you need to do you know whether you're sort of a bricklayer or a, a plasterer or a doctor or whatever the, the first day you might sort of go okay i need to think about what i'm doing i need to grab the instruments and, and do what i need to do but then you know sort of a couple of years down the line you just it becomes second nature to you and you know what you're going to do and you can react to the situations you know if you're a doctor and somebody starts sort of having a seizure or is choking you, you don't kind of go uh, uh, uh what's my spot uh, i don't really know you just go right okay i need to do this this is what i do next and this after this and i think it's the same thing with a wrestler if somebody falls over or you blow a spot or you forget you don't then go oh, uh, uh, i don't know you just go all right cool work the crowd or grab a headlock or bring it down a little bit and i think that's sort of almost the the art of wrestling you know especially sort of as you're learning and as you're you know getting your sort of journey through the professional wrestling business yeah it's, it's repetition it's repetition repetition just doing it in front of as many different and as diverse crowds as you possibly can getting out in as many countries and and seeing their styles and learning from them and, and doing that as much as you can. And then eventually you just, you, 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 it just becomes embedded in you to the point where you don't think about it. Like you say, if you go back to the, to the bricklayer philosophy, philosophy, 
you get a bricklayer who's been doing it for 25 years, he's not thinking about it whilst he's doing it. He's just doing it. He knows what he's doing and he's just it's just become muscle memory. And um, that's the thing about wrestling. A lot of wrestling just after a while becomes muscle memory. So you, you've got... You know, you you you've you've got a, a few things that you always go to in a crisis, or you've got a few spots that you always go to if you forget one, if you forget the one that they initially you know have for you, or you just like me get too old and miserable and don't fucking want to do any spots anyway. So you just say I'm not doing any spots. Let's call it out there. Or whatever, you know, you, there's a million and one ways of going about it. But you're right, after a while, it just becomes, you worry less. You just worry less about different things. Like you you worry about spots and, and and the crowd and, you know, being nervous and, you know, and not fucking up and all these things when you first start. And at the end, when you get to, to sort of my, my period, or the only thing I worry about now is not getting hurt. I just don't want to get hurt. I just don't want and 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 trying to be cautious and 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 making sure that I don't get dropped on my head by some uh, someone who wants to drop me on or, or not wants to drop me on my head but might drop me on my head because they don't know what they're doing. My my worry now is 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 injury. Whereas when I first started, that that was the furthest from my mind. That was the the furthest from my mind. So you know, different. It just yeah, it's just your journey through wrestling as you go through. We don't all we all have different journeys as you go through. You know, different things will will you know become you know will become easier, and and then other things will become harder. You know, but um, but the character you've got, the good thing about having a character like Sassy Bear um, is if you watch someone like. Flatliner, for example. Uh, do you know? Do you know who I mean by Flatliner? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've worked a match with him before for Big Top Wrestling, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So you know, you know, in my, yeah, of course you have. Yeah, I've seen you at the shows. Fucking hell, what I'm on about? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was it's been there. too long. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah, yeah, it's been over a week. Um, yeah. So I, you, you, he, he has got a match. He's got his spots, his, his spots that the that, that go. He's obviously a comedy wrestler. Um, and he's got his spots, he's got his match, and they work. He knows they work. He's tried them a million times, trial and error. He's probably tried things that don't work. He switches things around occasionally, maybe. But he'll fit the match around his opponent so the opponent can get some some of their own shit in type thing. Um, and that's And that's, you know, and he's been doing it for years and years. Obviously, still enjoy it. People still enjoy it, so they book him. So, if you've got a character and you work it correctly, you can have quite a long career in the wrestling business because it because it's that it's it's not the same kind of intense, you know, spot field wrestling that a lot of people do who haven't really got too much too much of a character or too much to offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see as uh, do you see Sassy Bear as a as a comic comedy character as sort of comic comic relief really? I say, I say the way how I've kind of viewed well, kind of like portrayed and viewed Sassy Bear is in a way it's kind of like say you were going to like see like a bear at a zoo like first appearance you know he's very cute and very like sort of cuddly all that sort of appearance to him but then I think the more you piss off like Sassy Bear later in the match you know you poke the stick at the bear too many times he's gonna get fucking angry and 
rip you to pieces like a bear usually would if you provoke it and you know i like to view it as like you know he can have his comedy but when shit hits the fan the claws come out pretty much yeah yeah there's no reason you can't do a little bit of comedy warm up the crowd at the start sort of get yourself over and then you know get fucking angry i mean the the, the master of that was adrian adrian street absolutely well he's a big influence for the gimmick anyway so yeah yeah, I and I can see that. Like, if you watch Adrian Street like at the start of the match, he'll be prancing around the ring, and everyone will be laughing, and he'd sort of get himself over just by doing the, the sort of you know the risque spots, and he'd, he'd literally just prance and skip around the ring. But then when someone started kicking him, kicking him about, he'd fucking he'd fuck him up. He'd go ballistic, and that was that. That's that. That was cool because you know you obviously, it, even though you've got your character you still need to make the crowd believe that you fucking deserve to be in that ring. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Like, give them a reason to, you know, want to see you beat the other guy, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like, And and when you beat the other guy, if you're just a total gimmick, a comedy gimmick, when you beat that other guy, it's going to devalue them, and that's the last thing you want to do in wrestling. So you do have to have a mean streak. And you're a bit, and and the good the good thing about you is, is you're a sort of big burly guy anyway. So the sassy bear thing is is obviously quite ironic because you're a big burly hairy guy out in all this flamboyant gear, which is funny. But then when you you know when you turn, it's not like you know it's not like sort of just you know little fucking little dude turning on you or whatever it's like this is a big man coming towards me he's going to rip my head off so it does that that does that does sort of work you can make it you can make that work and if you obviously beat the other guy it then doesn't devalue him because you've been beaten by someone who's a an ass kicker you know so we've sort of spoken about the character a little bit there and you kind of touched on it and said maybe it wasn't sort of completely your idea. Can you take us through sort of the genesis and the evolution of Clarence, please? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, fun fact, the guy that came up with the gimmick was actually uh, Paddy O'Connor. So, a uh, fun little story was, uh, from his point of view, he was speaking to Brad Tanner in a, in a car journey one time, saying, you know, I've got this idea for a gimmick that I think, you know, he could definitely, you know, make something out of it. And it was then I heard through the grapevine through Paul, who then said to me, uh, we've just been uh, talked about this idea of a gimmick and we were wondering how you'd feel about it. And then after he explained like what it basically entailed, I was like, well, I'm not against it. And just kind of took it as like, you know, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, at least I tried. And well, lo and behold, uh, debuted the gimmick at a Luton show. Uh, crowd fucking ate it up like anything. Uh, I think the one thing I'd definitely take credit for would be the name. Because at the time when thinking of the gimmick, we didn't have a name. And so that's when I then approached Paul saying, I've got this name Clarence banging about. How do you feel about that? And literally his response was like, I fucking love it. And so it went from there. And then one point I overheard like Paddy, like referring to the gimmick as sort of like a sassy bear. And then I paused, thought myself thinking, sassy bear Clarence. Paddy, you fucking genius. And the thing I liked about that particular name is, you know, in some ways, it does kind of help explain the gimmick to an extent. Because it's like, you know, he's big, he's flamboyant, he's sassy, but he's also this big bear-like sort of individual. 
Yeah, I think it really works on sort of quite a few levels. Um, what about the the look of uh, Clarence? Did you come up with that or was there input from the likes of Paddy and um, Paul? Um, I would say, I think when they were like discussed, I think Paul was like discussing like ideas. So he was like, thinking, you know, there's definitely got to be like sort of uh, inspiration with like Adrian Street, uh, even throwing like maybe throw a bit of David Bowie and a bit of Prince in there. Um, Goldust, if you really wanted to, for like the adult crowds. Uh, but I think in terms of just like the whole look and design, um, I felt that was pretty much all me because I was, I originally started off with just like what looked like sort of like basic gear with the name Clarence on me ass like, uh, but then I thought, how could I upgrade that to somewhat try tell people what my character is about? And so it basically started evolving to like bare paw prints on like the trunks and the knee pad covers. And I think somewhere later down the line, uh, it started off as like sort of like 80s leg warmers over the boots, just like sort of 80s sort of throwback sort of thing. Uh, but then somewhere down the line, I slowly evolved in that sort of the fur boot covers. Uh, but even then, I'm still like trying to think of like different sort of ways to like, you know, change up the look for the character and everything. Uh, the face paint idea, I thought would be a good way to not only make the character stand out a bit more and look different, but something I feel it does help is like sort of like bring my eyes out a bit in terms of like when I'm selling or, you know, getting the crowd fired up and all that stuff. Right. So the music was actually Paul's idea. Like I remember like saying, please go out to Kersworth, but I think it suits your gimmick so fucking well. And literally just came out with the, with this music uh, crowd fucking loved it. I think at first I wasn't quite sure when would be the right time to come out. But then I think after a few like uh, sort of like discussions with both uh, Paul Ash and even like Sid Scala as well, um, they both suggested, you know, the minute the sax hits, you get out there, you get a bigger reaction. And they were right. Every time I've gone out there, literally it's like the three second sort of intro, then the sax hits and I'm out there presenting myself like a peacock, so to speak. And it gets such a big reaction compared to, you know, how long it usually takes me to cut out to the stage and like do the gimmick. All right, that was the Sassy Bear, Clarence, ladies and gents. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. Leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. And if you want to find out more about Clarence, he's on Facebook at Sassy Bear Clarence. And also on Instagram, he can be found at Clarence Sassy. Go give him a follow. I'm available too on Facebook and Instagram. It's at PVC Pro Wrestler. And you can find Jimmy Star on Facebook too at Jimmy Star Wrestler. That just about wraps up episode 34. We shall see you next week for another episode of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast with Clarence. Bye bye. You happy, you happy with that, Sassy? Yeah? yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Lovely, Joey. Let's go. Cool, 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 cool. Right. Okay. We are recording on here. I am recording. Right. Okie dokie. Right. Um, would you like me to kick it off, Jim, or would you like to give it a go first First off? No, you kick it off, mate. You're, okay, you're okay. the off guy. Cool. Right, so could you first off, um, or first start off by, sorry, let me start that again. <laughs> That's a great way to kick off a podcast, isn't it? Right. Uh, can you first start off by introducing yourself? Uh, fuck me. Right, okay, right. Properly this time, okay? Take, take three.
Keep that in. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it at the end as like a little uh, little B-roll thing. <laughs> little blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>